This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Okay. Today's secret word is passport. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Melinda Mitchell. Melinda Mitchell is a sci-fi and fantasy writer currently living in Wisconsin, but she was born in Oregon, raised in Alaska, lived in the Boston area, Oklahoma, and Seattle before moving to the Milwaukee area almost two years ago, where she lives with her husband and son. She's written several nonfiction articles on parenting, disability, and religion, and specifically on the intersection of theology and science fiction, and has co-authored two academic papers on the subject. Her debut novel, Next of Kin, a sci-fi retelling of the Book of Ruth, arrives on December 12th from RS Entertainment, a small press in the Seattle area, and you can order, order through Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and the RS Entertainment website. Welcome, Melinda. It's great to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me, Benjamin. It's good I am, to be here. Yes, I am very excited about this book. I'm excited to get to hear about it, but first... We have to tell everybody about the costumes that we chose to wear in this show. You know, we always dress up in costume and uh, because of this. Well, why don't you uh, tell our podcast listeners what you chose to wear? Yes, because it's the holiday season. I went with the ugly holiday sweater theme and I found probably something that is the most hideous thing I've ever, ever could imagine wearing. It is supposed to be I think like a Christmas tree but it's more like green shag carpet with some lights that work and I think that's supposed to be tinsel it's pretty hideous um <laughs> and probably will never see the light of day after this show yep 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 but now it's forever like now the folks on YouTube <laughs> are like yep I can see that sweater I went to a Christmas party last night that was ugly sweater themed although I forgot so I was not in an ugly sweater uh when I I, I showed up relatively early and uh, I was like Oh, I forgot. And then I was like, that's not all bad. <laughs> but I borrowed this sweater from one of my colleagues, Paul. Thank you, Paul, for lending this to me. It is a sweater that makes no sense. It is yeah. green stripes and then this big giant orange tiger in sequins. I don't know why, with a, with a Santa hat, why a Christmas tiger? I have no idea. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that is... An amazing ugly sweater, Paul. You have to let me borrow that for the show. And he was—it has pretty much rendered me speechless. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I mean, I—I I, I was talking to him about you know maybe this is if we were in a place where the local sports team was a tiger, it would make some kind of semblance of sense. But yeah, orange, red, and green for one thing don't go together. And then yeah, it's 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 atrocious. So uh, those of you listening on the podcast will just have to imagine all the colors being thrown at the YouTube viewers right now. It, it's a lot. Um, so I, I have been so excited to have you on the show. Uh, uh, Amanda Cherry was on a couple weeks ago and she mentioned your book and I got very excited about it. So tell everybody about Next of Kin. This sounds fascinating to me. Yes. So it is a sci-fi retelling of the Book of Ruth from the Bible. And yeah, this is this is kind of this weird intersection of sci-fi and theology. About 20 years ago, I was in seminary, which is graduate school for really nerdy religious people. 
And uh, there's a lot of intersection between sci-fi and, and theology. But I had this idea of rewriting Ruth as a science fiction story of traveling across the galaxy with your mother-in-law. What would that be like? And um, so I had this idea. I actually started writing it in 2016, in November 2016. And we all kind of remember what happened in November 2016. Kind of the world gets turned upside down for us. And it really became clear that this was a refugee story. I mean, that was at the heart of it. And what does it mean to uproot your entire life and have to start again? And for those of you who may have some background in the Bible, you know, right before Ruth is the book of Judges, which is pretty awful, atrocious. War. It's a little grim. Yeah, it's grim. So in Christian Bibles, they placed Ruth here as kind of a palate cleanser, but it really is the background. The story is war. So I bring that into the background of this story is these war refugees who are traveling across the galaxy. And it sounds like a great concept, right? And I I, oh. I got excited. I I was smart in that this was my NaNoWriMo novel. It was kind of the third book I was querying. So I knew enough not to query in December. I knew yes, I needed good, to get on it, needed to revise. I had like two beta readers. And then in April, there was like um, a Twitter notice from one of the big name agents who was like, I'm going to take all queries in the next half hour. So I sent it in and I got a full request, which is like unheard of. Yeah. First first query, full request. It ended up, ended up in a rejection, but with some positive comments. And what ended up happening is I had started too soon. I really needed to sit on it longer, but I queried a lot, got a lot of full requests, got some revised resubmits, uh, which is great, but ultimately ended up in rejections. And I finally sat down with an agent who is a friend who said, you know, this would be a really good small press book because, you know, some people don't want to touch it because Bible themes. Some people aren't sure about it because it starts off, um, it's very women-centered, which is great now. But even seven years ago, it was a little bit harder to, to get in. So I started the small press circuit and I have met the unfortunate um, consequence of small press life, which is sometimes money runs out and they shut down like yes. my last press did. So I've actually been with two other presses. Um, one was an editorial vision that didn't work out. One shut down and I had kind of given up on this book. And I was working on another book, um, talking to Amanda. I think it was Amanda on Facebook about this. And another friend, um, Scott Magner said, tell me more about this book. You know, I have a small press. And Miracle of Miracles, Eris Entertainment is publishing my book on Tuesday. So uh, very exciting. It's been a long run and it's been seven years in the making. So that's kind of the don't give up story. And even if it goes on the shelf for a while, doesn't mean it's there permanently. Yes. And I learned a lot in the process. I learned about what mistakes I made in the earlier editions that I had to revise. I learned a lot about, um, about the industry and it's been changing and um, so it's been a long haul, but I'm very happy with where it's at now. And it's, I think, the right time for this book. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, this is an exciting time for this book. I mean, I, I think, you know, we are about to, a lot of folks are about to remember 2016. Like they're about to go, oh, yeah, uh, you know, the Muslim ban and families being separated and people being, right. you know, locked up. And it, I, I am hopeful that people will go, we don't want to go back to that, but we may, I am, I am, I am not confident. And so either way, having a story to remember, this is what it, you know, that, that this is, uh, it is a good time for a refugee story and, and to be yes. thinking about the safety, the care, the, the whether we are welcoming, uh, you know, this is. And, and how do we get, move on from the past? There's a lot of that in the story, which deals with some 
kind of timely political issues today of what do we do with violence and history of violence and um, ethnic cleansing and cultures and and when there are you know combating views of history and how do we move on with that and um, so I'm a little bit nervous about my book coming out right now but my publisher was like no it's a it's a timeless story because this stuff keeps happening right we keep living through this so it's a timeless story in yes. that, which is yeah. sad, but also- I, I, I would kind of love to live in a universe where that story is out of date. I don't think that's going to happen in the next few hundred years. So I, right. And <laughs> I hope it gives a, a little bit of, of hope in the story. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am very excited to read it. And it drops. I mean, so this show will come out on Monday night, you know, Pacific time, Tuesday. So it'll be dropping the same day. So folks who are hearing this, you can get your copy of Next of Kin now. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, the, by, by all means, I will be ordering ordering it immediately because I am very excited to see how you pulled that all together. That's, and it's, I mean, the story of Ruth is just a wonderful story. I, my kind of uh, history uh, religiously, both, you know, I, I know about uh, uh, MDivs and, you know, both mm -hmm. my folks are pastors. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so but I'm, uh, you know, uh, ethnically Jewish and have, uh, you know, uh, spent enough time in synagogue to know the importance of the Ruth story uh, in the Jewish tradition as well, uh, because we are constantly, uh, uh, you know, migrants. Uh, and and so uh, that, that story is really important in the Jewish tradition as well. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. a marvelous story, but a sci-fi version is like right in my wheelhouse. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that that, that will kind of hit, and I'm hoping it will hit readers who, who do know the story, who maybe don't consider themselves religious anymore, but find value in the story. That's like my whole my whole point, and I was scared when I did this book, I was like, I don't want it to get shelved in the Christian fiction section. Right. No, this no. is a story that is like a mythology that is told, you know, these are, you have all these other great stories of all the great myths of the world. This is a myth, and myth is not a bad word. Myth is a story that has this point that still lives on, and I, that's why, that was my hope with this um, story, and maybe there'll be some more stories in this name. Yes, yes, oh, that would be, yeah, that would be cool, but yeah, I mean, that, you're, you're right, that story is not by any means limited to any religious tradition it is a story about you know somebody who is trying to make a new life in a foreign land and that is something that uh transcends culture and geography and so and i love the idea of redoing it as a sci-fi that is that's cool what was the tell tell readers a little bit without spoiling anything about the kind of sci-fi universe you created for that yeah so it is a galaxy it's a different galaxy it's actually called the euphrates spiral galaxy so there's some biblical names that come up mm. but it is not our galaxy it is not our universe it is a world it is a universe where there are humans not really any other alien creatures think of more like firefly uh mm. that's really in fact i was re-watching firefly and i realized it's been 20 years since the oh my gosh yeah wow that's that is wild. or was 2005 and uh but the feel of that universe so like because it's the first half I, i'm not to spoil too much the first half is more space travel and the second half is this kind of wild west world and it very much does have that firefly theme so very much history culture there's the clash of technology of like old and new um yeah it, it very much so if you're a fan of firefly you'll probably like next of kids well, and the gender politics of these are yeah. two women in this world that you know right. i mean that is a powerful part of the ruth story too so yeah. um oh yeah looking forward to that very much Excellent. um so this is a show about what we do when we're not writing. And uh, yes. I know that's that's tough when you're in that <laughs> mode where, you know, you're like, it's very soon, it's going to be dropping. But 
when you have not been, you know, doing the publicity thing and, and, and that kind of thing, what has been taking your attention away from writing uh, in terms of pop culture lately? Yeah, so I'm I'm very much an avid reader, <laughs> and I actually have thought about this question and that um, if I wasn't writing, I'd be reading. And there's been times I've wanted to quit because writing because there's just so many books I want to read, mm -hmm. but it always draws yeah. me back to writing. It always <laughs> does. But I have been, so I have a lot of friends who are authors and a lot of friends had books come out recently. So I actually have uh, David Levine's uh, The Coopier Belt Drop, uh, which is high stakes, high shifting loyalties, a future influx. It is a uh, kind of Ocean's Eleven in our solar system kind of thing, getting the gang back together. So I've started that. Um, and then next up, I have Uncanny Vows by Laura Ann Gilman, which I know um, Amanda Cherry mentioned. That book just came out. This is the second in a series. I have my TBR pile. I could just- Oh, yeah. Not. Yeah, but my, I mine is challenging the structural integrity of my house. Like I, my house may fall down because of all these books that I have not read yet. Yeah, my my spouse is like, when there's a box or a thing coming, it's like what? Yep. Um. So yeah, and then I I did finish reading uh, Patrick Stewart's memoir, Make It So, which was fantastic. And um, I've been told the audiobook is great because he narrates, but I'm not. I don't process orally, so I need the book. So I finished that. Um. And then, yeah, so I was saying uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a book camp. So at our at our um, camp here in Wisconsin, our, our church camp, uh, the camp director, her, her I'll just say, her license plate is TARDIS 1. Um, so that tells you all you need to know. Yes. We said, we saw this mem about like summer camp, but instead you stay in bed all day and read books. And we were like, book camp, we're doing it. So we had book camp and it was great. We, we had a fire going, we had a hot cocoa bar that was open the whole weekend and books and I, I would do that but that sounds wonderful how many folks went we had eight this time but we had oh, okay. a lot so of just a small group time, time of year we actually scheduled our next book camp in it's going to be january 2025 right after christmas next next time and people have said i'm saving this on my calendar i'm coming um it was it was fabulous you know because you think oh i could just do that at home but everything else distracts you imagine going away to a place there's no we had no tv there yeah. We do have Wi-Fi, so if you have your Kindle or other devices, you can get your books. But we just, we sat in front of this fire, we were cozy, and we read. We had a wine and cheese night, too, so that was, like, kind of fun. It was the best. It was yeah, the That's best. a wonderful idea. I, I love that. Yeah, a, a reading camp. Oh, well, and that creates kind of the cultural atmosphere of this is what we're all doing. Nobody is pulling you away from your book. Everybody is engaged in a book. So that, I think that's a great Right, idea. and we did show and tell the first night. Like, what are you reading? What do you want to read? And everybody shared their books, and we had a little because it was Christmas. We did a white elephant book exchange. Everybody brought a book from home. You know, we we had some Christmas theme, but it was really fun. It was wow. a great time. So uh, besides reading, though, um, we love to watch the Great British Baking Show in this house. My husband is a former artisan baker and pastry mm. chef. Um, so watching the Great British Baking Show with him is like watching sports. Like he will yell at the TV, like just <laughs> melt the bleeping chocolate. Yeah, don't and, do that. <laughs> but then when you get towards like the finale, he, they're doing stuff he doesn't know how to do, and he's into it. So it's fun to watch with him because they'll be talking about things. I'll be like, "What is that?" And he can explain it. Yeah. Yeah, we are we are very much into that show. We've watched the season, and now the holiday specials just dropped on Netflix yesterday. So we've got more shows to watch. 
Oh, that's great. Yes. Uh, yeah, that one, that one. And and the, the, the kindness of the people on there, which I, you know, I know Absolutely. that that's a debatable that people are like, they're not necessarily being kind. They're just not being mean overtly and publicly, you know, but, but it this, is this last season, though, for all the critiques of previous seasons, if you've watched, you know, sometimes they've had like some ethnic weeks that were really terribly done. They didn't do any of that. They have great hosts this season. This season is worth it. So if you've taken a break, come back to it it was very heartwarming we loved it we love watching the finale um it was a good 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 way to kind of escape from yeah. what's going on in the world, yeah so. from everything well good um so speaking of escaping uh what has been pulling you away from your writing in terms of news in terms of what's going on in the world yeah i mean i like i said it kind of goes along with my book right now but the the whole conflict in israel and gaza um because I'm I'm part of the interfaith community here in the Milwaukee area, um, it's really hard. You know, it's hard to have conversations about what's happening, and there's a lot of you know feelings. And I see what's on social media, and it's just, you know, because you just can't get into the nuance on social media, exactly. and you get into, um, it, it it just blows up, and people are like, well, if you're not on this side, you're on that side, whatever. But when you start talking with real people with real feelings, like my Muslim friends here, my Jewish friends here, we sat down at a table and there was just the grief that was there and that we had space for each other's grief. And he, and for everybody to say, you know, this, this just sucks for everybody, um, you know, that people, not only people are dying, but people are displaced on both sides of the border, which sometimes doesn't always get covered. Um, and, you know, you can't quantify. It's just horrible. It's just yeah. horrible. But I... I was in, I was blessed to be part of a breakfast where I heard a rabbi and an imam say, I hear you. And even though I disagree with some things, I hear your pain and I hear you. And they hugged afterwards. And I'm yeah. like, gosh, can't we have that in our world? That gave me hope. It gave me hope that, you know, we can't fix everything in the world, but we can maybe, you know, grow together and try to, at least in this country, um, build more tolerance and, and respect and understanding and, and work towards a better future. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of the kind of, you know, hot takes, you know, Twitter version of the debate reduces complex groups that are not individuals, right. To, into this, this, you know, label versus this label and, and not being able to recognize there are individuals within each group who have very different motives from one another. Right. And the identity of this too, is something that I think as a person of privilege, a white cis, white cis Christian woman, I, I don't understand what it's like to be Jewish. I don't understand what it's like to be Palestinian. I don't understand and I can't. Right. And so sometimes I've had to step back from, you know, and, and some people want my opinion and I'm like, mm, I, yep. I really can't, but I can say that I grieve that this is happening and I want to work for a better future. I want to work against violence. I think that's a, that's a stance we can all, you know, let's work against violence. Yeah. Well, that, that has been the, the, the way that I've tried to, you know, remind folks is, you know, there, there are, innocent children there are there are people who are not involved in the conflict and you know in in any kind of valence and any kind of perspective that people are bringing to it if they find themselves saying in in an effort to to make this one whole group homogenous and say they should be doing x or y if that is causing innocent children to die they're not viewing people as people you know there there are, there are certainly and, and this is horrific there are individuals 
who are, you know, in, in Hamas, who are perfectly willing to encourage Palestinians to be killed. Like right. they want this conflict. And there are certainly individuals in the Israeli government who want this conflict because, you know, if you're Bibi Netanyahu, you don't want the conflict to end and then have to deal with exactly. the exactly. want bloodshed. And right. to then say Jews or Palestinians want bloodshed is totally unfair. These Absolutely. are small groups that have but made this conscious decision to let their own people be murdered uh, so that they, you know, for personal political gain. Uh, and, you know, having a more nuanced view is is difficult when you're viewing these things through Twitter, Facebook, mm -hmm. you know, debates, uh, but they are not simple. Uh, and it, it, yeah. It's yeah. A, and and I would say the only thing I would say is is reach out to your your Jewish friends, reach out to anyone you know who's Palestinian or has ties in Gaza and just say, hey, I, I am here for you and and just thinking of you. Honestly, that has gone so far with with my friends is just just saying, I, you know, I don't want you to feel alone in this. Um, that's been the big thing. Yeah, and hopeless. I've talked to a lot of folks who are just feeling like there because there is nothing I can do and I am seeing this horror, I just feel a lot of hopelessness, yeah. a lot of despair. So yeah, reaching out and saying, I I, I, I can sit with you in your despair, which is, yeah. you know, which is hard, but I think it's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, so <laughs> not not to, uh, you know, slam on the brakes and change gears too dramatically. But, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is kind of what we have to do in times right. like this. like we have right. to be able to go, OK, and now, you know, if I sit with that for too long, it, you know, becomes all consuming. So how do yeah. I kind of force myself out of that? So when you are trying to draw yourself out of the, the despair mm -hmm. about what, you know, what is going on there, uh, any kind of hobbies that are, that are able to pull you away from that? Yeah. Well, I already mentioned my love of books. <laughs> I do read a lot. I get sucked into books. Um, I also do play guitar. Um, and I, I always tell people I, my guitar skills are good for like youth groups and for the background music at dark parties. Those are not Venn diagrams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I do like to play. It's been a while um, since I played more regularly um, with family and writing and stuff. But I I do enjoy that. And um, my family and I we love to go on road trips. That's kind of our way of travel. And we've done a lot of road trips. Um, we were in the Upper Peninsula this last summer. It was gorgeous because um, you know I've not been in the Upper Midwest before uh, moving here, and so we got to go up there and. Um, do some hiking and see some waterfalls and it really it's I getting outside is like the best thing for me like get I, I was born in Michigan and I've never been to the Upper Peninsula I've never oh been up there goodness yeah. it is go up there. beautiful they they like call it the 51st state they're very oh, yeah. yeah I mean I know the reputation of the Upper Peninsula because folks in Michigan talk about the UP oh, yeah this foreign land that's very right I know everybody I'm like they're like a lot of my friends who are like from Detroit or Ann Arbor are like Upper Peninsula I'm like it's gorgeous up there oh, I should check it out interior. it's beautiful um, I actually found some independent bookstores when I was up there this summer, which is always fun. And um, but it's gorgeous. So yeah, that's one of the things I love is doing road trips and going to different places. And um, and I'm really hoping to see more of the Great Lakes and I think so. Yeah. Were you camping your way through there or were you just you know, we stayed at a we we got a like a little cottage thing. Um nice. So I have a, uh, I have a son with disabilities, and so camping like having a stable place. So we'll go one place and stay there for three or four days, and then go do day trips and explore. But coming back and having a routine is really important for he he's on the autism spectrum, yeah. he's nonverbal, and just having that home base works. So that's why road trips work great for us because we can yeah. do that. And if 
worst case scenario, we could always turn around and come home. But, but luckily, he likes being in the road. He likes car trips. Um, yeah. When we're all together, he kind of have he loves hotels. Um, you know, they usually have pools. Right. Well, and that's very cool that he's got that flexibility even to go, okay, we can go do this cool thing as long as I've got this home base and that you've got a system. That's yeah, that's we've nice. got our own system for that. So that works out. So we've been doing a lot of road trips with him since he was little. So it yeah. works. Out. Oh, that's wonderful. That is great. Um, so one of the things that I like to ask writers just to help readers kind of get to know you so that when they're sitting there reading your book, they're saying, Oh, you know, I I I know a little bit about her. So if you were a in it in Dungeons and Dragons, not playing it as a player, but if you were actually a character, what would be your race and class? If I was a character, um, probably, um, probably half elf ranger. Um, that is actually the character I have played in the past. It's been a long time. Um, but that's probably, um, what I, who I would be, I think. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of part of a campaign now that I have not been able to join. <laughs> but I have yeah. a character who's a Loxodon yes. Bard, which is very different than what I've played, but it's kind of fun. So now why did why the half-elf wizard or ranger? Why would that be what what does that reveal about you, do you think? Yeah, I well I so I started playing DD in seminary. That's where I learned how to play, like the opposite of most what most people would think. I was like, no, we're very nerdy. Oh gosh, yes, yeah. so commentaries a, yeah. that are our tomes. So being a wizard, it was like, I know what a tome feels like. I know what it, uh -huh. you know. And then I got into kind of the ranger, played a half elf ranger who had some, you know, the magic skills. But it's been a long time since I played. But I like the the exploration, the kind of leadership role that I would take in those in those roles. So that was always kind of fun to kind of be the one who would who'd be like, okay, we're gonna go out, we're gonna go go to some place unknown, we're gonna, you know, go yeah. into this cave. But <laughs> but with with my it. giant books, because I'm a seminarian wizard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I Taking the tomes with you into the cave. Yes, that is very seminary. And I love that my DM always had, somehow I always found the magic bag that I could stick as many books in it as I wanted. Yes. It wasn't too heavy to carry. Love that. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, so it was very like physically, I could I could understand where my character was coming from, what she was doing and, and that sort of thing. So it was fun. Okay, so you've been ambushed. You're walking through the, the uh, woods as a, you know, half-elf wizard. And you are beset by three simple level one goblins. What do you do? Well, I see. Now, I don't remember what spells I would have used. I would have tried, probably used a spell, but I would have probably tried to put them to sleep because I'm not a, generally a violent person. I would try to put them to sleep. I might read and bore them to death with some ancient commentary on from some other wizard from some long ago. But yeah, I would use some skills that I have from my real yes. life. Uh, that's yes i i like the uh the, the commentary that's that's one i have not heard before i like that a lot there's there's you know the the not just the lore the commentary on the lore right right <laughs> i love i love yes of course because you have the, to have the commentary that tells yeah, the, you defeating how goblins with footnotes yes absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's great okay so we're going to go to our ad break but when we come back i'm going to ask you what you've been daydreaming about mm -hmm. lately Authors, poets, screenwriters, writers of all kinds. We're putting together our team for the Alzheimer's Association's annual The Longest Day fundraiser. And we want you to join us to use your writing superpowers for a good cause. Our team, Writing Against the Darkness, joins together via Zoom or in-person meetups and writes from dawn until dusk on the summer solstice. And we also do a dress rehearsal to kick things off on the shortest day, the winter solstice. So mark your calendars for Thursday, December 21st, 2023, and Thursday, June 20th, 2024. 
We're teaming up with some wonderful partner organizations to build our team. Thanks to the Author Alchemy Summit, Indigo Editing, Unsolicited Press, Pile Press, the Pile Press Magazine Chunk, and Overcut Press for joining with Not A Pipe Publishing in this fundraiser. Links to all the partners in the show notes. If you want to get to network with writers from these great partners, get a whole lot of writing done, and raise funds for Alzheimer's research and care for families suffering from this disease, click on the link in the show notes and join the team. You're going to be writing anyway. Why not write even more and do some extra good for the world? So, Melinda, welcome back. Uh, when you have been daydreaming lately, what have you been thinking about? Oh, goodness. I have I have daydreamed about travel. Um, as we've come out of COVID, I've seen a lot of my friends who've gone, you know, on trips around the world. And um, I actually renewed my passport this summer. <laughs> like, Me too. Maybe that will happen. <laughs> yep. um, it, it, as I shared before, it's a little bit harder with my family, with my, my son. Um, we haven't actually, he flew a lot when he was younger, but we haven't flown with him recently. So we're actually, we're thinking about, okay, maybe we'll go visit my mom, his grandma in Alaska. That's a long flight, but there's a, there's a red eye from Chicago. So if we did that, then maybe we could do something where we could go to Ireland um, my husband is Irish. I've been to Ireland a couple of times and we'd like to take him, but I really would also, I've never been to Greece or, um, Italy. I'd love to do that. I'd love to go to Turkey. I also would love to go to the Holy land. Just not right now, yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, but I do want to, you know, go there. And then my big dream is I really want to go to New Zealand. I wanted to go to New Zealand for years. I'm actually my, so my other geeky thing is volcanoes. I love volcanoes. Um, grew up in Alaska with volcanoes, born in Oregon, you know, yeah. Mount St. Helens. I was there when that happened. Oh, yeah. um, Mount Hood. And um, so I would love to go see New Zealand. And I would, of course, do the Lord of the Rings thing and go to the Shire and do all of that. So, um, in fact, one of my coworkers went uh, this past year to New Zealand and she's got her picture in front of uh, Bilbo's door. And I'm like super jealous because <laughs> yeah. I really want to do that. So. Well, one of my good friends who is also a pastor, uh, that mm -hmm. was his dream and his wife took him and they went and the whole i mean he is you know the biggest lord of the rings geek and it was like his dream come true and i just watched all those pictures and went oh my gosh i would love to be there i mean it was very generous of him to take us all with him via his photographs <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. That, i would love that to would and my uncle and aunt are just went and they i mean but outside of the the shire kind of touristy stuff going to a lot of those places that you see in the films the mountains the you know the the i mean it is an amazing mix of geography there and yeah if, yeah if i'd love to see it i'd love to see the volcanoes there i'd love to see yeah i it's funny because my husband has always wanted to go to australia and i'm like i'm actually not as interested in australia as i am in new zealand no offense to any aussies on this no. <laughs> but he wants to do australia i want to do new zealand so yes yeah i would like to do both and my fiance is convinced that if we go to australia she will be killed by some wildlife of some kind because there are so many bizarre giant you know here's a giant spider here's a deadly snake here's a you know yeah. and she's just like no australia is not safe and I'm going, it's not that far from New Zealand. I'm sure a lot of that wildlife lives there too. No, for some reason, New Zealand feels safe to her and Australia <laughs> feels dangerous. So, you know. My brother actually went to Australia. He's in the army and he was there for two weeks for some reason. And he's a picture of him hugging a koala. It's just the cutest picture. Oh my gosh. Like He got to hug a koala bear. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I need to show Crystal. Yeah. She'll be like, I've changed my mind. We do need Yes, that. you get to hug a koala. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, the flight times though, I totally hear you for your son too, you know, kind of planning that out and, and getting prepared for that. I'm, I'm and that just may be something that's not realistic to take him to yeah. with the length 
length of time to get there. But Ireland might be because it's like five hours from Boston and, you know, um, yeah. and from Chicago, about seven hours. It might be doable to get to Ireland at least. And yeah, to show yeah. him something. I mean, he's been to Canada several well, times. And you so. like volcanoes. It's a shorter flight to Iceland and then on to yes. uh, to Ireland. And so maybe, well, I guess we have oh to. Oh my gosh. Over. Iceland is someplace I want to go. Definitely. Yeah, yeah that's because uh, that, that yeah that's one of those places I would love to see too. Friends who have seen you know sent posted pictures. It's it is a beautiful place. So, yeah. um, so some someday someday Iceland, but yeah, mm -hmm. volcanoes. I mean, yeah, you can see some really cool volcanoes in Iceland. Um, so uh, what so announcements? What is, what's I know you've got the book is dropping right now. Uh, what else is going on with you coming up? Yeah. So so one thing I wanted to share is uh, what's been helpful for me in the past is my writing groups and writing, you know, going to writing workshops. And I did want to share about Cascade Writers, which is in the Seattle area. It's actually in Bremerton. And it's a three-day critique workshop happening in July, and their um, early bird rate is going to end at the end of December. So this is like your your signal to get in on it. It is fabulous. It is a blend of brand new writers, experienced writers. You're you're put into a critique group, and these critique groups are are great. They're they're meant to build you up, not to tear you down. It's meant to help you with your story. And they're led by professionals. And we've had some big names there. Um, in the past, we had Diana Foe, uh, who was with Tor. And she's now, I, I can't remember what press she's with now. Sorry, but <laughs> she she's big. And um, and we had um, Arlie Soar, who's coming back this year. He's now an agent. Um, so yeah, he's been announced. He's coming back. And there's uh, we've had Jenny Gulliboy, who's an agent. We've had uh, Lucienne Diver from the Night Agency before. So you get some big names and you get opportunities to pitch, you get opportunities to work with professionals and also just great authors too, who also lead the groups. And, um, and it really is, it's, and what I love about it is you finally, these people are no longer on a pedestal for you. When you're an early writer, new writer, you're like, oh my gosh, these people, and they're, they're just regular people. And you go out and sing karaoke with them on Saturday night. It's really fun. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. It's also one of the most affordable workshops that's mm -hmm. out there. Like if you've ever applied for a writer's workshop, like uh, they can be pretty expensive. This one's affordable and it has scholarships and um, and it's well worth it and it's fun. And it's where I met my critique partners who helped me with Next of Kin. Like seriously, uh, my book would not have happened without going to Cascade Writers. So um, so my announcement would be find uh, whatever writer's workshop you can go to, find critique partners, but Cascade Writers, and you can go to cascadewriters.com and learn all about their three-day workshop. It's It's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at that going, ooh, I really like that time of year because as a teacher, that might be doable. So <laughs> sign up. And, and like I said, it's for all levels of writers. We've had we've had people who are well-experienced writers who come and still get that kind of nurturing support, you know, um, and get have one-on-one -on -one conversations because it's small too. It's never more than like about 50 people. And you do get the opportunity to go to lunch or dinner with these people, you know, and and have some one-on-one -on -one conversations that just, you don't have that at the big, huge yeah. workshops. Yeah. Um, and we do get people who fly in from, from out of state. It is does tend to be mostly PNW people, but but we have had people fly across the country to attend. And, um, and there's just a great community. That's what I love about it is the community is so supportive and um, cheers each other on and, and it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I will certainly put that in the show notes. Folks should, folks should check that out. I think that's, uh, and I, I totally agree. You know, finding your community. Uh, I think, I think you know, readers often think, oh, a writer produced this. 
no a team produced this like there you know everything from the, the cover the interior formatting all the people involved in the editing sensitivity readers there were lots of people involved in producing that book you are enjoying uh probably you know if you are enjoying it more people were involved <laughs> and so uh right. yes and recognizing the, the value of those critique partners and uh you know that that's yeah that that, that that's important find your people yes. um so uh what would be a weekly poll that you'd like us to run? We try and run one every week uh, on you know various social media. What would be your question for the the, yeah. the broader well, world? Because I was seeing like a lot of people are like New York Times has already given their hot takes on what happened this past year and things. So we're already like at the end of the year, kind of looking to 2024. So my poll would be resolutions, yay or nay? You do um, your resolutions or not? I think this is a great question. So, you know, put, putting your elbow on the scale, where do you stand on the value of resolutions? Uh, I'm a nay on resolutions because I think they usually fall apart. I'm more on, I've done the whole like word intention thing that kind, that kind of works for me. So like thinking about a word and what, you know, spending some time, I actually did, did this last week. I was on a silent retreat and had a word, my word for next year is slow to slow down and really, you know, not try to rush. Cause I think, you know, we all, <laughs> we run on deadlines yeah. <laughs> as a whoosh bias, um, but to slow down and to really be intentional about what I am doing, spending time with my family, my friends, spending time, taking time for myself and just slowing down because I do better work that way, both writing and my day job. I, I do better if I am slowing down and not trying to rush after. So, so I do intentions, not resolutions. Yeah. I, I am. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of resolutions. I don't like the idea of an arbitrary date on the calendar determining when you start them. And may, that may be because as a school teacher, my year does not really begin at New Year's. Right. And so I really should do my New Year's resolutions in September. You know, this is what I'm going to try for this next school year. Uh, or this is what I'm going to try this summer. You know, for me, it's like, I need to not say yes to five more committees. I need, to, <laughs> you know, those are my kinds of resolutions. I need to not take on more jobs. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, you know, the, the, the New Year's resolution so it'll be interesting to see where people where people fall on yeah. that that's a good question um so what is something that you are looking forward to reading you mentioned a handful uh but uh what else is on your to read pile yes so i have some some big ones because not just these are my friends books that came out recently so that's why they're like i want to get them out so i can review right. them and, and be a good writing friend supporter but i've had uh the latest murderbot diaries uh book on my kindle and my mom has already read it, so I need to read it before she spoils it for me because she is a big fan. Um, I also love uh, Megan O'Keefe's sci-fi, and I really loved her, the first one of this new series, uh, which was, I can't remember the name of it. The next one is The Fractured Dark, and it's I have not read that series. So. September. The Blighted Stars was the first one. Sorry. That, yeah. And it came out last spring. It's really fascinating. I love her sci-fi because it's... Um, there it's it's just so much the world building is so rich and yet it comes down to kind of emotions and character you know it comes down to the heart the, the thing that move your gut and you're like ah oh, you're rooting for these people and um and rooting you know it's it's just really exciting and so i really want to read the next one it's been on my kindle since um like september and i just haven't gotten to it so yeah. um yeah so i um i'm looking forward to that and then um uh, Amanda, who was on uh, a couple weeks ago, Amanda and Eric have their Femme Fatales books. I've got both of them on my Kindle and I need to read them. 
Um, and then I'm very much looking forward to Don Calamity when it comes out by oh, your press. Uh, from that one May I got to read in advance. And let me tell you, you are going to get a huge kick out of it. It's really, yeah. really fun. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I got to read a draft. Of oh, you did? Okay, part. good. I've read an early draft because I had swapped with her a uh, another sci-fi book of mine that's now on the shelf. Um, and then she, because we were both querying at the time. And so I actually did get to read it. And I was so happy when she found a home for it. So very- Yeah, that, that one. And I, you know, the, I think folks- there, there's this sense in the industry that that you know we have these trends and everybody chases the trend and then if you you know if you genuinely love vampires or steampunk or whatever and you're out of the cycle just oh you, i guess your book's dead and it's a shame because there are great books that don't you know th that aren't gonna be the the trailing end of some fad like who wants to be the trailing end of a fad anyway and so this one is you know if you like airships and kind of steampunk and this other uh you know complex the politics of this complex world it you don't need to wait for that to be in vogue to read a great book <laughs> so and, yeah. I, and i'm excited about the femme fatale series because uh that that mixture of you know superhero i, I love the the whole superhero vibe thing so i'm gonna be checking those out as well yeah, yeah. No, I'm very happy. And, and it's just been fun for both of us who kind of went through this, oh, nobody wants our books, we're putting them on the shelf, feeling dejected. And then both of us within a few months of each other, uh, finding a small press. So small presses are like, I'm just very excited. There's also, I feel there's more collaboration, more, um, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, in, in this experience this time for me, a more communication uh, more input into cover design, mm -hmm. things that you just don't get with the larger presses. I know cover design, you usually get like one yay or nay and that's it. Yeah. Um, you get some input on on some things and some you don't. And I felt like I had much more, it was more collaborative, um, really feel like I, I'm very excited. And I'm excited for Amanda to have that too, that both of us have books that just weren't finding a home and then have found a home. Yeah, folks, uh, you know, out, out there in the in the the reading world, uh, there are, you know, distinct advantages to the big presses. I certainly won't dispute that. You know, they, they if, if you want somebody who's got, you know, a, a publicists that are, you know, uh, a sales staff of six or seven people who are just, you know, working on your book. I mean, there, there are distinct advantages. But in exchange for getting that team that is going to take that book from you and, and run with it, you give up all kinds of power they now get to run with it and they and do their own thing you know yeah and there's certain genres that do better with big you know with the big press and i and and certain age groups and things like that so there's things to keep in mind because like i you know i'm probably still going to query some projects with presses oh, yeah. but but this specific like um you know especially like you know uh amanda steampunk with the airships it's just gorgeous world building um an incredible main character you know um uh, and and uh, I'm just very excited for her. And then same thing for me. I think it just fit better with the small press than where it was going to get lost. You know, they couldn't figure out where it was going to go on the shelf. And that uh, was my but. first novel was, uh, you know, religious satire. It's all the various gods of a whole bunch of different myth systems interacting in our world in kind of a comic way. And I had, uh, you know, a lot of agents saying we just wouldn't know what to do with this. Uh, and and so, you know, it, it is certainly not a, a, a commentary on the quality. It's we don't know what bookshelf in, you know, in, in Barnes and Noble we would put this in. Uh, and therefore, we just feel hesitant. And it's also the, the big four are conservative with a small C. They're always saying what sold last year. We have to make sure we do that again. 
And so when you're doing something like, hey, sci-fi book of Ruth, they're going, we didn't have a sci-fi book of Ruth last year. So we can't do that again. Right. And, and so small presses can be these wonderful places that can take some risks and say, yeah, but it's a really good book. And this sounded like a great idea to us. And so I'm glad Aris was like, yeah, let's jump on that and get that in readers' hands. That's, yeah. it speaks well of them. And it's, I think it is the right place for a book like that. And if, you know, you as a listener or watcher of the show are saying, but it just sounds like a great book. I would totally buy that, buy that at a Barnes and Noble. Yes, you, you would. And yet the big four wouldn't take a risk on it. So I, you know, get that from Aris uh, and, uh, but check that out next of kin. That's, I'm excited about that one. Thank you. Um, okay, so where can folks find you online? Yeah, so uh, melindamitchell.com is my website, but social media, I'm on Facebook a lot. I, I don't know, I'm this zenny old generation that like got on Facebook and not much else. But um, And there it's Melinda W. Mitchell um, and on Instagram too. Um, I'm also on Blue Sky. Um, Rev Mindy was my Twitter handle. Uh, Mindy's another name I go by, M-I-N-D-I. Um, so Rev Mindy on Blue Sky. I miss Twitter. I loved Twitter, but it became when it became what it has been the last six months to a year. I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not there anymore. Uh, but yeah, you can find me. Um, yeah, mostly Instagram, Facebook uh, and Blue Sky. Yeah, Melinda W. Mitchell, but all, all lowercase, all one. So we'll post that in the uh, show notes as well. Folks can catch up with you there. So who else, in your opinion, should I have on this show? So I was thinking about this, and I think you should have Spencer Ellsworth on, who is an author in Bellingham, Washington. Um, he wrote the store, uh, the Starfire trilogy for Tor.com, which is it's really cool concept. It's spaceships that are made out of they're organic, they're giant bugs in space, ah. and they have soul swords. The, the characters have soul swords, which is like a lightsaber. So kind of Star Wars thing. Um, but it's, it's really got some good underdog characters and you're, um, you're rooting for them and they're all, they're novellas. So they're easy. There's three of them easy to read. Um, and then he wrote the great fairy strike, which was published, I think by a small press and it's hilarious. It's night, it's 1800s London. There's a, a vampire journalist and a dwarf and the dwarf comes across a copy of the communist manifesto and all of a sudden the fair are on strike. It's just uh, really as, as a union guy. This makes me so happy. I've got to check that like, out. That's... But no, it's the story. And like, you know, it's one of those that's annotated with like the, co you know, there's a narrator commentary and it's just great. It's just fun. It's a really fun read. He's hilarious. Uh, Spencer and I uh, did karaoke at the my last Cascade Writers I was at, so he's a good he's a good person to have on. Um, I'd also recommend. Uh, I think Amanda already said Lauren Yolen. Uh, she's also hilarious and fun and a witty writer. And then um, T.J. Deskamps. She writes uh, East Side Hedwich is her first one. She has East Side um, stories and the West Side Olympians. And it's it's these characters who are what are kind of in midlife is what she writes, you know, not young, not these yeah. young adults that are out there. They're, they're moms who are like fighting off necromancers and baking cookies for the PTA. Um, like, you know, they're they're doing whatever they have to do. They're you know, they're dealing with real life, like having to go to the bank and having to pay bills and having to deal with stuff and dealing with magic and the Fae, and um, they're just great. So TJ um, Deshkamps would be great to have on um, for for that. Yeah, that's, uh, that does sound like a really, I mean, 
that that is a positive kind of twist we need in the industry too like there is this inclination to always go all the characters have to be either 17 or 28 right, right. <laughs> you know like no there there yeah, are a lot of us who are neither of those things <laughs> yeah so. in their 40s and it's great she's an indie author and she's she's um had a successful career so far and i'm um She's just been great. She was one of the beta readers, early beta readers for Next for Kids. So very cool. Um, also a big support. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I will reach out to those folks. Okay. So there's some other folks I have to thank before we uh, sign off. Uh, thanks to the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro song, I Prefer the Dusk. Uh, let Max know you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three Ds. Thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. If you're in a band and you'd like your song used on the show, I'd love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song, so email that to me. And thanks to Doug, the producer, for making the show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. Thank you always, Doug. Um, I cannot forget to mention, Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing, so please go to notapipepublishing.com and check out the amazing books by writers uh, who did not procrastinate too much. If you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. Uh, please check out Melinda's Next of Kin. Tell a friend about it, too. Click on that fifth star and write a review. You'll make Melinda's day, and it really makes a big difference for authors. And if you've got the time, click on that thumbs up for this show as well and write a comment. I would love to share some, uh, you know, YouTube or uh, uh, comments, you know, on, on various podcasting apps uh, with uh, uh, Apple or the uh, Apple podcast and YouTube comments. Uh, we can even share them on the show. So write a funny one, say whatever you want about us. But, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> if, it, if it is positive, we can we can share it on the show. Um, Okay, so uh, what is your, Melinda, what's your advice for our listeners going into this next week? Um, so I just say keep writing, don't give up, um, and make writing friends. I think that's the important thing. And uh, I know, you know, not just published author friends, but your writing friends who are still in the trenches, still trying to, I mean, we're all in this together. And success looks differently for different people. And it might take you seven years like me or... Um, or 10 or 15 it can take a long time um, but don't give up um, and if you put something on the shelf it, it, it'll come back it'll come back don't it's not a failure I don't like the word failure it's just yeah. a transition it's just a pause oh I completely agree um, I also say to folks a novel without spaces would be gibberish and our lives need spaces too so don't ignore the spaces and third no matter how much you procrastinate we're still proud of you My time.